We are still in Advent. We're still working through the uh, Advent season, and today we have someone that's going to read for us and light the candles. At least I'm counting on you, Patty. Uh, Patty and Steve Sloan, will you come on up and, and read for us and light our candles this morning and uh, set the, the, the tone for uh, this morning's Advent uh, time? So, really, we're going to let Steve touch the mic? Oh, boy. No, it's good. Thanks, guys. Come before the Lord in a posture of humility. He delights in you. Let's delight in him. Whether you open your hands as a sign of obedience, close your eyes to focus your mind, or kneel to, to center your heart, draw close to him as he draws close to you. Let's give all of ourselves to the King of Kings. Now I'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, 22 to 35. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple of courts, the temple courts, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And I'll be reading from Isaiah Chapter 26, you will keep in perfect peace those who are steadfast because they trust in you. This is kind of funny for me to read this because, um, anyways, I'll just read because, okay, I was dripping in sweat, pushing myself physically more than I ever had. I'm not the exercise type, but there I was hurting, pushing, fighting with my whole being. Then finally he was here. The boy I had waited for the last nine months, the one who I had daydreamed about so often. Would he have olive skin like his daddy? Would he be sweet and tender or rowdy and wild? He would be the latter. This boy that I imagined was, he was really truly here and screaming for his mama. The feeling of seeing him was enough to make me burst into tears. He was finally here and I could rest. Rest and peace are emotions I imagine Simeon felt on that day he saw Jesus. The Bible describes Simeon as righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon was waiting for the Messiah to come through, through and rescue his, peop his hurting people. They needed peace in the world, but more than that, 
they needed peace in their heart. Since the Lord promised Simeon that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah, I imagine he spent a lot of time daydreaming about what Jesus would be like. Would he be strong, a strong warrior or a conquering king? What kind of person would make the world right again? Then the day finally came when Simeon, guided by the Holy Spirit, saw Jesus. He picked up Mary's baby and looked at him. I imagine tears in his eyes as he said, Lord, seen your salvation. You are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. The Messiah was finally here, and Simeon could rest. We live in a broken world and know the pain that sin has caused. It's e easy to be overcome with the feeling that this is not how life should be or that our world doesn't feel like home. And yet, in the midst of it all, we can have hope. Simeon looked at Jesus. The promise was fulfilled, and he rested in God's given peace. We can now access that same peace even now. Let's look to Jesus as Simeon did and meditate on his fulfilled promises toward us. In his living, loving kindness and complete authority, he has saved us from our sin. His peace will keep us as we hope for a future of uninterrupted joy with him. Let's look at him. He is here, and we can rest. Now I will read Psalms 29. Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord um, shakes the desert. <clears throat> the Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare, and in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned his people forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. As Ask Jesus to fill you with a perfect peace as you navigate a broken world. Knowing that he who has promised is faithful, Think of a time when you experience God's peace in your life. Share that story with a friend to encourage them. Let us pray. Father God, would you show us what it means to rest in you? Would the fragrance of your peaceful spirit continuously fill us as we seek your face? Lord, as we lean into the peace that only you can give, draw us to yourself more than anything. Allow us to come before you humbled, grateful, and hopeful. We love you. Amen. Uh, if you haven't gotten to know them yet, you should take some time to. They're a great couple. They're relatively new. Um, I did that last week as well. It wasn't you, Steve. It was me. So marinate on that. Yes. No. <laughs> 
Consistency, that's right. Yes, I did that last week as well, so I'm keeping with the, the Advent theme of uh, knocking things over. Uh, if you were with us last week, we did hope, right? And if you remember hope, we did an acrostic. We did Holy Spirit, others, purpose, and eternal life. And so I worked really hard. A lot of you really like that. So what do you think about my acrostic this week? People eating at Chinese establishments. Huh? Glory. glory. Yes, there we go. I got one amen and one glory. Uh, now if you're thinking about food. Um, in other words, it's really hard to do that. And so this week, it's not going to uh, scriptures. That, that has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that your pastor's not very good at it, um, doing acrostics. But last week was uh, hope. And so this week is peace. And so now you can forget about Chinese food and what you're having for lunch, because that's probably not going to be it. So to the scriptures before I get in trouble. So if you have your Bibles, and if not, Brandon will put it up there shortly, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. And Ephesians is one of those books that Paul wrote to the, the church in Ephesus, and I, I love it because it has so much in it, and it's a, a book that has a lot of depth or meat to it. The first three chapters is, is a lot of doctrinal truths, great theology, some foundational principles, and then the last three are how to put that into practice, right? And, and that's one of the things I love about the, the Scripture. It doesn't just tell you what to do, right, and give you those words, but it shows you how to put that into practice, right? Because that's the, the beauty of God's Word is it's for our lives today, and it's something that we are to use um, in our daily lives, especially as believers, to encourage one another and to strengthen our own faith. And so peace is one of those that Paul lays out here for this church. And peace was a, a, a tough theme in this church, really. The church is early on, and they are struggling with the struggle of the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers, right? They're two very different people, and they're coming at it very differently. And keeping those two groups together was difficult, in fact, in any church, it's very tough to keep unity. That is uh, the goal and, and one of the, the calls that we have. But keeping unity in a body of believers is quite often challenging, right? Some of you come from many different places. Some of you like different football teams. Some of you have other likes. Some of you come from other states. I was commiserating with... Alan and Karen, well, I was kind of gloating a little bit actually this morning because my Patriots beat the Steelers this past week. And other than Scarlett here, probably no one else really cares. But again, we still keep unity, right? You care, that's right. Anybody that beats the Steelers, well, <laughs> that from a Browns fan. So we can feel bad for them as well. Um, but all three teams are very poor this year. But anyways, all that to say, keeping unity is the, the goal, right? And, the, and it's not easy to do that. And so Paul writes this letter with that in mind. That's the backdrop. And it's actually the backdrop to most of his letters is keeping unity in the church body. And so with that in mind, he writes about peace, right? And keeping, start off there, a big part of that. And so the scripture says, verse 13, we'll start off there. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Love here how he establishes, right? That, hey, we're believers. We have that in common, right? As, 
as Christians, we can call that as our, our sounding horn. We can stand on that if nothing else. We are believers in Christ. And that should unite us that alone. But God knows that we need more than that, right? Unfortunately, it, that's not where it ends, but that's where it begins. And so as believers, we go on from that, and we need even more help in order to keep peace. Verse 14, it says, For he himself, he's speaking of Jesus here, For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. And he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself the new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Right? Jesus himself bridges the gap. He makes that possible for the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers to now be one. Right? Paul says that in one of his other letters, right? Very clearly, he says, you're neither Jew nor Greek, nor Syrian nor other, right? You are believers. You are one in Christ. He pulls that all in together. He, within this church now, they are believers. Today, we'd say they are Christians, followers of Christ. And that was his purpose. He brought that peace to both sides. He reconciled them together. They are one body. They are one church. I like what it says in verse 17 here. He's not only our peace, right? We, we know that. He is the peace. But he also came and preached peace to those who were near, right? If Jesus was here today, that message would still work, right? The message of peace is, is, is still good. It's always good. Steve mentioned in his prayer focus this morning the, the unrest, the unrest in Israel and Ukraine, right? There's a need for peace. Certainly, even in other countries, there is unrest. Even in our own country, there is a need for peace. But not worldly peace, but godly peace. And like I said, that message still preaches today. And again, Jesus was preaching the message of peace, not of peace between the, the Romans and the, the Jews or the Romans and those around him, but to those who wanted to be called believers in Christ. He was calling them unto himself, right? See, our peace comes from Christ. That's where the true peace comes from. He is a source of peace. He preached peace, and he is peace. Verse 18, it says, Through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. I love it here that Paul here very kind of almost subtly puts it in here, but you see that word that we quite often use that we don't find in Scripture, but Trinity, right? He's speaking of Jesus, right? But we have access to the Father, Father God, and that's done through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's within us. And so we have that great connection, and we have all three here showing up, and with all three, we can have peace. The access that God's given us through his son, Jesus Christ, that we can access through the Holy Spirit, can bring us great peace. If you think about it, even on a logical set, God is the one that can answer 
those issues, those problems, those things that cause us not to have peace, he is the one that has the answer for that. He is our peace. In fact, when we don't feel peace, he's the one that we should go to, right? Peace is what we strive for, but peace we can't gain on our own. We need help. It's also a good reference here for prayer. As mentioned, we have a prayer ministry here in the, the morning before a church service. And again, that's a rich time that PJ prays and others pray together. And they're praying for many things, but they're praying for our church body. Hopefully that's not the only time that they're praying. I'm kind of counting on praying throughout the week as well. But again, that's that connector that brings about peace. Quite often when I'm doing marriage counseling with couples and I'm in that process now, one of the the things that I encourage them to do is to find time to pray together, right? Because I've found that in the marriage situation especially, it creates a peace, right? It's hard to be mad when you're praying with someone, and especially if it's someone that you're close to. It is still possible, but it's it's not easy to do. And again, it should bring about change. And so I encourage young couples to pray together and older couples as well. Praying together is part of that and bringing peace into your marriage. It works also with other relationships as well. Right? When you're having a tough time with someone, if you can, can break out of that a little bit and take some time to pray with them, at the very least pray for them, but pray with them, it brings about peace. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because now I want to talk about how to put some of this into practice. And so with that, I'm going to jump over some more scriptures here and head to a, another one of God's authors here in scripture. And we're going to jump over to 1 Peter, one of my favorite passages, 1 Peter chapter 2 here and 3. And um, as it goes on, and pull my notes out here so I have them in front of me. But that theme of peace comes out in chapter 3 as well. And there's some keys to peace. There's some keys that we need in order to have peace with one another. And again, Peter, the same as Paul, is writing to a church. He's writing to a group of believers. And the the theme and the hope is that they will be united together. That they will stick together because tough times are coming. And he knows, what we all know, is that sometimes, even within a church body, there is conflict. There are things that we like and don't like, and there's differences, and so the call for unity and the call for peace is part of that. And so Peter does the same here. And so in verse 8, he starts off with, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. All right, if you have your Bibles, you might want to underline those because here's some steps to help with that keeping peace. Here's some how-to-dos or some things that you can look at if you're not at peace with someone and say, hey, do I fit these scriptures? Do I fit these things that we're called to do as a body of believers? Am I like-minded, right? And I like to say this, that we're not going to be all exactly like-minded, but we're going to have a lot of similarities, and we'll probably have more in common than we'll have that we're not in common with, right? 
Sometimes when we're in conflict, we focus on that one thing that really irritates us. And if we can step back from that or come to a place where we can look at it, we probably have much more in common or I can agree with you much more than what we really disagree upon. I think that's uh, the thought behind this, right? It's not to be exactly like-minded, but at least have enough in common that we can find common ground and it not affect our relationship. So that's that like-minded. Be sympathetic, right? Being sympathetic. Understanding where that person's coming from. I think that's key to relationship and relationship 101, right? Being sympathetic to their cause. Maybe they're having a tough time. Maybe they're in a bad spot in life at this moment. Be sympathetic. Maybe they're grieving. Maybe they're hurting. There may be a reason for the way they are acting. Right? And so being sympathetic can help with that. It can help smooth that over. Again, part of that relationship. Love one another. PJ mentioned that about the, the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love one another. Right? Love's coming by Christmas. We want to hang with us in Advent on Christmas morning, uh, Christmas Eve morning, not on Christmas morning, but Christmas Eve morning, we'll, we'll be doing the love candle and we'll hear about love, but love encompasses a lot, right? Loving someone is not just a word, it's an action. In fact, it's not just a action, it's multiple actions, and it's a continuum, I've even used this example. I can tell PJ I love her first thing in the morning, but then if I'm rotten to her all day long, it doesn't communicate love to her, and so those words just hit the floor, right? It's the actions that mean something, right? It's not just that goes behind that, I love you, but putting that into practice. And there's a lot that goes behind that. If you don't know, look at chapter 13 in Corinthians, and you'll get a pretty good idea of what love is and what love is in action. It's always a good place to start. And again, in context, that love that he, Paul's talking about back in Corinthians, he's talking about the love that he has for brothers and sisters in Christ. We use it in weddings and we use it in marriage counseling, but it's actually for brothers and sisters in Christ. It's how we are to be in the church, to be kind, to be patient. So loving one another is part of that. Being compassionate, Right? Again, same with that being sympathetic and then compassionate, having compassion on them. And then lastly, but not certainly not least in this whole long list that keeps going, but be humble, right? Pride is at the root of a lot of our conflict. Pride also robs us of peace. If you think about it, pride in someone else we see, and that causes us not to have peace, but pride in ourselves really doesn't give us peace either, right? Because it doesn't take very long until we fall or we get so prideful that we can't see what's really going on and we tend to step on others. So again, that being humble is key to that. Verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. So road rage is out of that list in case you were wondering. Tony on the way back, I don't care if he's going 40 miles an hour. Just, just bear with him. We were talking about that earlier, right? No, but evil with evil, insult with insult, right? Trying to get back at that person. Right? I hear that often in, in conversations. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting my turn. I'll, I'll get them. That's not going to bring about peace, and that's certainly not loving. 
That's certainly not what Peter's talking about here in keeping unity. So that's a, a warning within this. In fact, he says just the opposite. He goes on to say, he says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this, you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. I don't understand exactly how that works, to be honest with you. I've read that scripture many times, and I've seen it happen. I don't exactly get how that works, but God does. That when we absorb an offense or that we love on someone despite what's going on, he blesses us. And again, many times that blessing is way beyond what we expected. And that blessing is something that we can't obtain. It's certainly not our motivation for doing it, but there is a blessing that may be that. that. And again, that blessing may not be here on earth. It may be that blessing that we receive once we get to glory. But there is a blessing coming for doing that. Then Peter jumps here a little bit and he jumps back to the Old Testament. Again, as if his words were not enough, he's backing up what he's just said with scripture from past, which they would have known, another psalm. We seem to be a theme right now of doing psalms, and it's a great time because psalms are a praise to God, and as we are celebrating the Christmas season, certainly praising God should be part of that. And so it's, he quotes here, Psalm 34, he says, "'Whoever would love life and see good days.'" must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Our words matter, right? And we did a a study in James not too long ago, and we learned all the dangers of our tongue, right? James chapter 3 talks about that. We have to be careful in what we speak. Because even a, a little spark can cause a great fire. Our words are the same way. And so that's how we mainly communicate, right? Is through our words, we have to be careful in what we say. And so there's a warning here in Psalms, and it's talking about how we speak. Verse 11, and it's key here to the the passage and key to, I think, Peter's point as he's been making here. It says, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. It's interesting if you back this out, especially that second part of this, right? It says you must seek peace, right? Can I say to you that I don't believe that peace comes naturally, right? Peace just isn't automatically breaking out everywhere, right? You have to seek after it. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some looking for that peace. And I certainly know in relationship, it certainly does take some work. Let's go back to what Peter said earlier, right? We're all part-minded, be sympathetic, loving one another, be compassionate, humble, Those are all part of what we need to do in order to seek after peace, right? In fact, it says not only seek it, but you got to pursue it. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some work to have peace. We just don't get it automatically gift-wrapped and on our doorstep. It would be great if it did, and it would be great if we always had peace in all of our relationships and in every church. It would be much easier, Right? to be at, but no, because we come at things differently, and we are in different spots, and sometimes we're in even different stages of life, and we have to seek after peace, and we have to pursue it, and so we have to work at it. It's going to take some effort. Verse 12, it says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, 
and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Like here, the reminder here at the end of this, right? I don't have to worry about the evil that's around me. Say that again. I don't have to worry about the evil that's around me, right? Who is going to take care of the evil? The Lord. That's right. You know I don't ask rhetorical questions. I'm not very good at it, so thank you for helping me along with that, right? The Lord does. He is the one that's going to take care of the evil. In fact, just earlier he said, right, don't repay evil with evil. Leave it to God. In fact, that's probably when we get into some of our most dangerous troubles and we start looking at the evil and we start worrying about what's going on. In fact, I've literally said, if you want to depress yourself or get wound up a little bit, just watch the news for a couple hours and you can easily see all the evil around, right? Pretty much the news is always bad news. It doesn't give you a lot of good news. And it's good to be aware, but again, there's evil within that. And again, where do I place that? Where do I do with that? How do I maintain my peace? Going back to God with it. Watching that or hearing that. Again, going back to God with it. Kind of all connects very well. Lastly here, as we finish out, Peter jumps back out of Psalms and he goes back to his writing here and he says, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good, right? Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good, right? Usually you don't get criticized if you're doing the good that you should do, right? If you're doing a good job at work, you usually don't get yelled at. Now, there are some exceptions to that, but by and large, generally speaking, if you're doing good, no one's going to harm you. They're not going to go against you. Everyone appreciates good work, right? Or good actions. But, and that's verse 14, the big but here says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, I told you there are some exceptions, you are blessed. It goes back to that blessing again, right? Again, not the blessing that we may think, not that what we may even deserve, but that gift that God gives us. There's a blessing in that for doing good. Again, he's kind of stuffing as much into this here as he can, but he says, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. As Peter is writing this, there's more and more persecution happening. They're starting to come under more and more pressure. And so Peter is encouraging them here, don't give up, right? Just because they're threatening you, keep doing the good you know you ought to do. And so he encouraged them, do not be frightened, right? Trust back in God. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. There's a, a neat thing that happens quite often, and probably happens at least in, in, in my walk, and, and it happens with you as well, but sometimes people notice that you do something, right? They, they notice that you behave differently. Or you go through a situation differently. Do you realize what an awesome opportunity that you have in that moment? Right? Your actions have shown something different. You, you've been recognized. And the words here say, have an answer for that. Right? 
Of course, the struggle is real, right? I always want to take credit for it, right? It's almost as bad as me trying to take credit for the win of the Patriots on Thursday. I had nothing to do with that whatsoever, right? It's the same thing with our lives, really. If we, if we could be honest and, and humble about it, if we look at the good things that God allows us to do, he's the one that's, that he gives us. We need to praise God for that. He's the one that's given us that opportunity. He's the one that's done that work in us. He's given us the ability to love others. He's given us the ability to be humble, to be sympathetic. Again, back to the earlier parts of this verse, right? And then lastly, because Peter knows us and God knows us as well, right? He says, but do this with gentleness and respect, right? Again, uh, the, the Bible thumpers, that's what we've been called as Christians quite often, right? Because it's been misused, right? We, we've boasted on the wrong things. And we've looked down on people, right? Instead of taking the opportunity to share. Hey, Christ has done that work in me. He's the one that's given me peace. I'm really relying upon him to get me through. And that brings about a peace that transcends all understanding. Another one of those favorite verses. So I, I wrote down a couple of keys to peace this morning, just as we've looked at that this morning. And again, first and foremost is that relationship with Christ, right? And I would say that relationship that is continuing to grow, right? Relationship with Christ. Second, prayer, right? That's how we deepen that relationship. That's how we keep that peace. That's how we know how to to connect with our Father is to pray to Him, to ask Him, to go to Him often, right? Prayer. And then once I've done those things, and then I have that shored up my relationship with God, and then how do I translate that out to other people? Well, going back to that the keys here and back to verse 8 really here in Peter, work at being peaceful, seeking after it, being like-minded, being sympathetic, loving one another, being compassionate, and staying humble in order to pursue peace. Something to strive for. Peace. A peace that only Christ can give us. So on this Advent, peace and peace be with you. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your instructions. Lord, we are thankful that you are the source of our peace. Lord, we ask that you would just continue to do that work in our lives, Lord, that we may see others as you see them, and that you give us that love to love others. And Lord, I just pray for our body here that we may have peace among us, Lord, here at Point Way and beyond. Lord, also help us when we uh, come in those situations, Lord, where people ask us that question, that we have the right answer to give, your words, for the reason that we do what we do. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.